Hello, welcome to episode three, technically, of Room 217, a podcast I host with my husband, John Laird. Hello. Uh, where we talk about, or we're reading through all of Stephen King's novels from first published to the present. Uh, we finally made it to The Shining. We did. That's my which fault. Is just number three on their list. Yeah. <laughs> but well, this is what I routinely like to call a casual cast. Yes. We're doing it at our own pace, mm. which apparently is, is going to be pace. very slow. <laughs> and yes, also my pace, too. That's, it is my fault. You read it pretty quick after we did uh, Salem's yeah. Lot. I then, started it like the next day because I love it and I always need something to read. <laughs> yeah, and it took me a while to start it. However, once I did start it, I blew through it because it's an awesome book. Yes. It's so good. It's wonderful. Mm. Um, so yeah, so in this episode, we're going to talk about the book. And after we finish this, we're going to do technically episode three and a half. That's right. Where we will talk about all of the film TV adaptations of the book. And we'll talk all about that. And there's that. only two. Yeah. It's And unlike Carrie and Salem's Lot, there aren't any like wonky sequels that are like b-level films although those have been pretty fun to watch and yeah. discuss because they've all been just horrible but yeah we've got kubrick's film and then king did a miniseries right in the 90s and that's it um thank god so <laughs> it'll be a little bit simpler than what we've had previously which is a good thing i think right and we're also not counting since dr sleep is its own sequel and yeah is its own book we're not going to watch that until we get to that, right. which would be like a hundred or so books from now. Yeah, so who there's knows? A, there's a good chance we will not get to yeah. Dr. Sleep for another seven to 10 years. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, welcome. Let's get this ball rolling. So I'm going to do a quick rundown. Before we do that, I want to read. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This little thing on the Stephen King like website that just houses all of this stuff. They have a, a section called from the flap. So it's what you would read if you know, you opened up the inside of the book and the little mm -hmm. summary that's there, which I thought was entertaining and we should just include from now on if there is one. So I'll do that. And then go for it. You'll cover the summary for those who either haven't read this in a long time or haven't read it and just enjoy our stupidity. <laughs> uh, all right. From the flap. The Overlook Hotel claimed the most beautiful physical setting of any resort in the world. But Jack Torrance, the new winter caretaker, with his wife Wendy and their five-year-old son Danny, saw much more than its splendor. Jack saw the Overlook as an opportunity, a desperate way back from failure and despair. Wendy saw this lonely sanctuary as a frail chance to preserve her family. And Danny, Danny who was blessed or cursed with a shining precognitive gift, saw visions hideously beyond the comprehension of a small boy. He sensed the evil coiled within the Overlook's 110 empty rooms, an evil that was waiting just for them. The Shining by Stephen King, the undisputed master of the modern horror story. Bum, bum. Also, I love that they call him that. This is only his third book. So by I number mean, three, they were like, well, it's this yeah. guy and everyone else. So yeah. just get over it. I do. I think saying that the inside the flap. So that would be from probably the first publication yeah. of the novel, which makes it that much more interesting because it's still got that 
explanation of kind of who Stephen King right. is. I also I love how clunkily written that is. Right. It like, sounds they like they try a, to jam a yeah. lot of info in, but not give a lot sure. of info. So it's this it, it's just kind of this weird mishmash of goals. Well, it's got to be a little nebulous, but also right. You know. But it also clearly was some poor sap in a marketing department somewhere who probably submitted something pretty clear cut at first, and then, and then, then as it went all the way up the chain, people were like, "Well, we got to get in the character names." Chopped and, it all up. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there really are only like four characters. That's um, true. All right. Okay. Hit us with the so summary. So here's a quick summary. I'm going to go as fast as I can. Uh, the Shining uh, was first published in 1977. Uh, it's about the Torrance family. Uh, they've kind of fallen on hard times. And Jack Torrance, the patriarch, gets a job as a winter caretaker of this super old, well-established hotel in a remote mountain area. Um, they all go there. He, his wife, Wendy, and their five-year-old son, Danny, to live in the hotel for the duration of the winter and take care of it. Um, while he's there, his hope is to finish his novel. He comes from like a professor of English background, and uh, he's always wanted to write. Their, Wendy and Jack's relationship has been somewhat tumultuous. <laughs> uh, like it kind of said in the flap thing, um, Danny is his little boy who is has precognition he also is kind of he has telepathy um and danny ends up realizing very quickly even before they get to the hotel that there are bad spirits and things that are going to come for them in the hotel and that is exactly what ends up happening they essentially <laughs> over to say the least yeah to say the least <laughs> they take over her jack torrance's brain and all hell breaks loose in this secluded area of a mountain that they cannot escape and yeah that's i guess basically it yeah family goes to hotel hotel is haunted family has bad time Yes. There's the three sentence summary. Of Bad time is is an understatement. Right. Um, oh man. So I mentioned this earlier, and I just want to reiterate it. But I love this book. It was a uh, the literal description of a, a page turner for me. I mm -hmm. I got into it, and on I know we went back and forth on this forever uh with Salem's Lot about how slow it was to start and the world building there was slow for me you know I know you really enjoyed it but for me it was too slow this right away hits right. the ground running and you know King sets the stage with Jack with Wendy with Danny he gives you all of their uh situations and and thoughts and feelings and everything right off the bat you know with that opening uh interview with jack and just his rage in his head about the whole situation and then you know when it flashes over to danny waiting for him on the side of the road right away it's like he's special he has this gift and mm -hmm. you know and his mom is obviously you know wendy is hesitant about everything and kind of scared of everything and so she worries about him sitting by the street and you know so right away you know what you're dealing with b long before they even get to the hotel. And I just really love how quick paced it is right off the bat. You know, it was just a nice change of pace for me from Salem's Lot, which just took so long to get going. But not The Shining. 
The Shining just throws it right at you from the start. And it's like, here we go. This is a volatile group. Mm-hmm. And you know they're going to a volatile place. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be good. I agree. It definitely hits the ground running. They're in the hotel by page 60-ish, mm. which is fairly quick. And by that point, you also know everything you kind of need to know about the family. Um, and right from the start, Tony, Danny's imaginary buddy, is mm-hmm. like, that. you shouldn't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, but, you know, and... That's kind of an interesting part about it all is that Tony is warning Danny all the time and Danny's taking it to heart, but he also loves his mom and dad so much and is kind of affected by their thoughts and how this could possibly be okay if they do it the right way. He's definitely swayed by um, this as a potential like healing thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, he has... King always does so well in the book the way divorce is written or what does he call it the bad thing or yeah you know I really like the way he emphasizes those kind of little words or little Mm -hmm. phrases that Danny you know obviously either from reading his parents mind or just hearing them say certain things you know he's keyed in on yeah this is a really bad thing Mm -hmm. and if I don't hear this mentioned then we're okay yeah so yeah 100% with you on that that he Danny is definitely swayed by the possibility that good things will come of mm-hmm. their stay there, it even though happen. Tony is like, yo, dog, I wouldn't go down there. Turn or figure out something. I know you're only five years old, but you got to convince your parents not to do this. Um, but yeah, so let's hop to the hotel. Uh, when oh, they the get hotel. there, the first thing that is pretty notable that happens is uh, you meet Dick Halloran, mm. who is like has a special place in my heart. I think he does for everybody. He is the chef at the hotel and he's showing the family around, especially Wendy, like this is where all your stuff is. And as that's happening, Dick realizes that Danny has a shine. Dick also has a shine to him, not nearly as powerful as Danny, but he realizes almost instantly that this little boy is about to have a real rough fucking go of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he, I love that he takes them aside and they sit in the car, which almost in any other circumstance, uh, an older man taking a young boy into his car to have a secret conversation, you would be like, oh, yeah. Ugh. Well, and Wendy is like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Like, and... It's, but Halloran is yeah. straight up like, hey, man, there's bad stuff here, but most of it's not real. So that's mm-hmm. OK. But I would like, you know, I would just be careful. Close your eyes a lot and just go. Uh, it's not real, yeah. which I thought was. Funny, good advice until it wasn't right uh, for poor Danny. But um, yeah, I, I, I love that. And then I love when, you know, Halloran, you know, tells them about the shine and where that comes from. And then mm-hmm. when Danny is like, hey here, let me test it on you. And then he almost just sort of Blows obliterates Halloran's yeah. mind. He's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not do that unless you really need to. But again, like I was saying, like there is no lead up really of is Danny special? What is going on with him? Right away at the start of the book, you know that he is a, a powerful mm-hmm. young man and that whatever is going to happen in this hotel is going to exacerbate Uh, what he can do and what the hotel can do like through him pretty Mm -hmm. much and you know that right away and I I really appreciated just how 
quickly. It just gets into it and it's like bad things are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, saddle up. Giddy up. Giddy up. Uh, so I feel like part of Jack's rage does kind of like you get a little bit of it before they get to the hotel. But just the way he hates Ullman. The guy who interviews him and how he fucking hates that guy. And I get it because I hate him too. (laughs) But He is an easy to hate character. Sure. But he's not my least favorite character, which we'll get to later. But Ullman is the, he's the easy guy to point out and be Mm -hmm. like, I hate you in Mm -hmm. particular. Yeah. Uh, So the first three weeks or so of them being in the hotel, everything is going smoothly. Uh, there's a part where Wendy says, this is the happiest I've been since we've been married. And Jack says that he loves her. And Wendy says in the book that she can count on her fingers how many times he's said that since mm. they've been married mm, and mm, before. Mm, mm. And it was such a bummer. Yeah. I was like, God, John says it to me. <laughs> like, it's a constant. Yeah, I never stop saying yeah, it to you. Yeah, it's just, I, and I know Mainly everybody's because you're different. not good when there's no, like, noise. So I just need to be able to keep you going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the bar clearly set real low for Wendy yeah. and Danny in regards to Jack, who, you know, once you read all of this up about his alcoholism and mm-hmm. punching a kid, you know, that one of his students, one of his students yeah, him which... breaking Danny's arm, Jack right away is. I don't want to say he's entirely unlikable because he does attempt to try to mm-hmm. look at their stay at the Overlook as a positive thing. But yeah, man, he is full of rage and anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. And regardless of this opportunity that his buddy Al gave him, he is not happy. And King really makes that evident yeah well and I, I think his happiness is rooted in the fact that he just sees himself as a loser yeah total rooted failure. in his dad beating the shit out of him when he was a kid and you know it's that systemic like right bad blame your parents yeah all that it's yeah. it's drilled he's into your brain as a nothing. kid blame, yeah blame his parents and the and booze. also he's a failure and i mean it is very booze related yeah. All of his. King um, definitely, you know, I read in the wiki page, uh, you know, it, a lot of what's in this book, the alcoholism, domestic abuse, that kind of stuff. You know, he wrote from kind of like a real place because he was boozing. Mm-hmm. And then he, he talked, there's a whole section in the wiki page about him uh, having times as a parent around the time of this book where he was literally looking at his kids and going, I kind of just want to punch you in the <laughs> face. Not those exact words, but he pretty I mean, much was like, I want you, I don't know, but it's like, why won't you go to bed? Why won't you right. just listen? And the, you know, he was like, I had all these times where it just would dwindle down to me just really wanting to just smack the hell out of him. And, right. you know, so that's clearly where Jack is here. Mm-hmm. It's like his, like you He's were saying. He's just always there. Yeah. <laughs> He's it, never It's not a there. bad background. It's frustration from his failures, but yeah, he has a, a pretty short kind of a tolerance level jack tolerance um yeah. for anything wendy's complaining uh danny's mm-hmm. inquisitiveness it's like and his all-knowingness also just being able to constantly read you and know what you're thinking yeah but weirdly i think if jack like grady before i know he 
Well, Grady wasn't alone, I guess, because he killed his family. But yeah, Grady it, would be the caretaker before him who right. ended up murdering his two daughters and wife and then himself killed himself yeah. in the outlet. I think if Jack overlook. had been up there on his own, he probably would have been okay. Yeah, or he would have just turned into the house and become like some weird Possibly. zombie character. But I think if he had just been up there on his own, he could have just chilled the fuck out. True, and theoretically, I don't think the house would have been as powerful because Danny wouldn't have been there. So right. there's no energy Jack source really to pull Jack really just needed from. about six months alone. Sure. With no contact but to his family. that is not what he, he got the opposite of that. Correct. Um, so right after the good feelings of the first three weeks, uh, that's when Jack starts to repair the shingles on the Overlook and the first real, real creepy thing happens. And that's when he kills a wasp's nest, uh, smokes it out with whatever bug spray and all that stuff. And he thinks it's a cool thing to give to Danny like as a gift. Like, that's a cool thing. I, I remember finding wasp's nests when I was a kid that were dead and being like, oh, nature. Sure. So... <laughs> It's, it is a cool gift. It's a, for it's, a little boy, yeah, a wasp a nest boy, would be awesome. Um, turns out, of course, the wasp nest is definitely a tool of the hotel. Bonus gift. Yeah. And while Danny is asleep with the wasp nest next to him, hundreds and hundreds of wasps yeah, start teaming the bonus inside gift. of it. And hey, Danny, I got you a little something yeah. extra. Actual wasp to go with your wasp nest that's nice don't you just love it mm. uh so danny's getting stung by these wasps kind of while he's in his sleep or in a trance and he goes locks himself in the bathroom and that's where we really get more of tony while he's in this trance um they finally are able to break open the door jack is like shaking danny awake and before he fully comes out of it, he says, Roke, stroke, red rum, in like a man's voice. And they're like, what the fuck? And Jack is pissed still, despite the fact that his kid is clearly having, I would think it would be like an epileptic episode or something if right. I were an unknowing parent. Yeah. Um, and Jack is like ready to well, like. Once you hit find him. out that your kid can't take more than a hundred wasp stings at once, <laughs> it's disappointing. He technically only gets eleven wasp stings, but right. the amount of wasps yeah, that were act, in there. He acted like it was over a hundred, which is further proof as to why Jack hates this boy. Yeah, okay. He's weak and susceptible to wasp stings. Right. Well, and that's what a whim. you know, that whole dad complex coming through jack into his own son um so in the wasp attack danny gets stung 11 times wendy gets stung once and jack never gets stung mm, is that mm. telling uh so after that wendy convinces them that they need to go to sidewinder which is the town that's kind of at the bottom of the mountain if you will it's only you can only get there when it's not super snowy which is important because that's what's going to end up trapping them in the house in the first mm. place. While at the doctor, Danny talks about Tony and kind of almost goes into a trance there. And the doctor is like, okay, this is probably like, I know this is weird, but this is like a real thing. And Jack and Wendy are like, okay, like we've yeah. always kind of known it. You can it. already see in that too, that Jack is sort of blinded by 
this sort of rage and this overwhelming desire to catch a break because right away he's less concerned about all the wasps and things you know with like wendy he's like i'll take care of it and then you know danny proves to be okay and he is worried about him but Mm -hmm. he sort of almost automatically focuses in on can i sue the bug bomb oh yeah i forgot about that and we could get some money and Mm -hmm. we could do this with it like he's so desperate that right away he's blinded by just any little opportunity that might put them over the hump Mm -hmm. because he's such a failure yeah (laughs) he needs anything he can get to just get ahead a tiny tiny bit you know and so he's willing to take this awful thing with the wasp and somehow flip it into like a bug bomb lawsuit Mm -hmm. that you know and even makes calls and stuff and they're like yeah you've got nothing yeah what are you gonna do right yeah uh he's just a desperate desperate man which does not do him any favors as this goes along nope so after this we're back in the hotel uh and jack's in the basement where the uh, terrifying water heater is, but also, the or the boiler. boiler. And, but also there's like, that's where all the like old paperwork and all the stuff is. And he finds old pictures about Horace M. Derwent, who was one of the like main owners of the hotel, who was a bad, bad fucking dude. Uh, in the hotel history, the, description of Derwent at the time I was reading this book I was also listening to a book about Howard Hughes and the character of Horace Derwent was loosely based on Howard Hughes with him being into aviation owning a movie studio ties to Las Vegas all this stuff so I thought that was really interesting Hmm. um but yeah because of his ties to like Vegas mobsters, Horace Derwent uh, has a lot of creepy things happen at the hotel while he's an owner. There's a gangland shooting of three people in the hotel. And that's something that Danny does have a vision of. He sees brain matter on the walls and I think the presidential suite. Yeah. He sees all the bad stuff. Yeah. He constantly sees creepy shit uh yeah i will say like i did like the flashing back or just some of the stories but jack's like obsession with turning it into a book like would frequently Mm -hmm. lose me a little bit i I don't know if it was just because they had already kind of said that stuff and so maybe it provides some context for some things, but I don't know. I just wasn't overly into Jack's obsession with writing about the history of the Overlook. I mean, he's just grasping at straws. That's bro. I guess that's true. You that know, makes sense. That's like, I mean, what else, what would you write about if you were stuck right. in an old, old hotel? And like, I guess he does pretty quickly abandon what he intends to finish writing. Mm-hmm. Once they get to the Overlook, he has that whole part about how, he thought about it, I think, in his sleep or something, and the ending no longer worked, and he didn't like right. any of the characters and all of this stuff. You know, it's very King, obviously, mm-hmm. um, him projecting a lot of his own shit into there. But uh, yeah, I was uh, that was probably one of my least favorite storylines in the whole thing was Jack's like super obsession with the history of the Overlook, mainly because I think in my head, mm-hmm. I. I 
would think that the things that haunt the Overlook would want to not be publicized, I guess. I mean, I think it's also just Does that make sense? it's like find out about us, Jack. Like, like if you think about the Overlook as a character, wouldn't that character want to remain this sort of dark secret on the mountainside? Sure, but I also know that about halfway through the book, it's eh, a little bit earlier than that, but he calls, remember, he calls Olman and starts digging into, trying to dig yeah. into the An history An ill-advised there. weirdo call. Sure. Where he's eating those. Super weird call. Um, what's he, what is he you love to eat? The, mm. what is it? They're like candies or, oh, he likes to crush up the aspirin. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't remember him eating candy. Yes, eating aspirin. Well, I call aspirin sure. candy. Sure. I mean, for me, it is. We are in our 30s after all. Um, Yeah. You know, when he's chewing up the, the aspirin. The yes. aspirin, okay. and he likes the like bitter the, taste. Yeah, and he calls old, old uh, Stu there and just sort of chews him out in his super uh, right. accusatory and weird. And then that prompts. Ullman to call Al Shockley and Shockley calls him Jack and is like what the fuck are you doing and in the book it's kind of mentioned that it's a quote it says while he was fascinated by the overlook he didn't much like it he wasn't sure if it was good for either his wife or his son or himself maybe that was why he had called Ullman to be fired while there was still time. Mm. So I think that was his subconscious, like making a, its own little last ditch effort to. I guess ultimately, him writing about the Overlook doesn't really matter right. all that much. I mean, you're right. It's him grasping at straws. And then also, yeah, his, his subconscious being like, dude, get out of here. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense because that is post the Wasp and some other weird things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he definitely. In his in his heart of hearts knows that this isn't really a good place for them. Yeah, and it becomes even more apparent soon thereafter when Jack is in the topiary, and this is one of the scariest parts. It is. Do you want to talk about it? I mean, we are talking about. I know, it. So but I feel like it scared it. you more than it scared. Me. I don't like the idea of things moving. And then not moving when I look at them, but they are moving. Mm-hmm. And that idea of you being hunted and the idea of you being alone and the idea of you not having anywhere to go. And then also the idea that what is hunting you, you can't see moving and you don't really know what it's capable of. Like, is it just a bush? Mm-hmm. Is it just going to knock you over? Or I'm is it an actual lion? Right? Or a dog. I or feel like the dog is the creepiest one. They're all creepy. I mean, the lions work in tandem, which yeah. is... I mean, I guess technically they all do, but the lions in particular seem to move together, which is, like, you know, pretty creepy. Right. But, yeah, I mean, so that part is scary. He's on his own. He has no idea if this is really happening. And then when he does figure it out, he's not entirely sure, you know, what these things can do and what they can't do. Mm-hmm. And so that part is is really kind of scary i i guess because you know the ghost stuff or danny being scared of the fire hose or those sorts of things you know you can kind of picture what they may do and how you could get away but like what do you do when you're cornered by these very large 
creatures. Animal, yeah. They're also playing mind games with you. Yeah. It's like the worst game of red light, green light, and you're going <laughs> to die at the end and of it. And they're all spread out. So when you look at one, you can't see the other ones, and the other ones move. Mm-hmm. And then you look back, you mm-hmm. know, it's like you he's in an unwinnable situation there. Yeah. And so that, to me, is is pretty scary. Because, like, even when Danny's in the hallway and he's scared of the fire hose, he knows, like, I can run by it. Mm-hmm. I can be fast enough. I can do this. Right. Or even when he's in room 217, it's like, I'll just leave. But, like, yeah. Well, Jack can't. No. So and that part was scary. While Jack is in the topiary, that's also kind of happening at the same time that Danny finally does go into <gasps> room 217. Mm-hmm. What are podcast is named after it's like that part in the movie or the book where they say the title right whatever that's called i wasn't overly scared by his entrance in the room 217 all the room 217 stuff always just scares the shit out of me king definitely describes it to where it sounds more gross than scary to me i wonder until old danny tries to leave and he can't get out yeah he can't get out. That part is Ooh, pretty scary. I have scary. chills. I'm looking at my notes. It's just but everything giving me the willies. But everything before that, you know, he uh, King really just describes it. It just sounds more gross to me. But then when Danny does try to leave, that is when it gets pretty creepy because he can't, again, he can't get out of the room. And the and woman he, from the tub is coming right. for him. Oh, and my God. And he flashes oh. back to old Halloran and he's like, just close your eyes or pretend it's not right? real, like, which does not work. No, doesn't work. Turns out Danny's way too connected for it to not yeah. work for and him. And then uh, old Danny gets choked the fuck out. He does. Uh, so also the reason Wendy and Jack aren't around is because it kind of feels like the house has almost put them in a trance. And Jack is having more dreams about get making Danny take his medicine you know it's the first mention of in his brain it says you have to kill them Jackie Mm -hmm. in the voice of his father and Jack screams back no and while he's in this trance and he's like screaming at his dad the voice is coming out of their radio they're like, is it a CV? I don't know how those old radio. ones, yeah, yeah, how those old ones work. But for, you know, the house is doing it to all benefit itself. So Jack, as he's freaking out about not wanting to kill his son and screaming at the radio, he smashes it to pieces. Should have just killed Danny. Kept the radio, you know. That would have solved a uh-huh. lot of problems uh-huh. in this book for Let's- Jack had he just murdered Danny right off the bat. Okay. He could have had free wasp's nest full of wasps. <laughs> he could have had a CV radio. Plenty he could have had to write a snowmobile. Later, remember, he finds a snowmobile. Oh, yeah. And then he throws the keys or whatever the little starter is, mm-hmm. throws that away. He could have had a free snowmobile. Dang. Um, he could have had a lot. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He destroys the radio, which cuts off all forms of communication to anyone else. Despite all of Jack's terribleness, deep, deep, deep down, he, he does have some good in him. And he does always kind of lean back on this with like some hesitation. But mm-hmm. he's just so overwhelmed by so much negativity in, in his life that it just overpowers him. But I feel like constantly throughout the book, he has these little moments of like, I yeah. don't want to kill my family or yeah. I don't, I shouldn't throw the keys away or yeah. all these things. But he just is not strong enough mentally to fight it. 
to be able to push back on mm-hmm. what the overlook is doing to him, which is pretty much convincing him to just be a all encompassing asshole. Right. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Wow. So Wendy Podcast hears, really. I'm sorry. It's okay. Wendy hears Jack destroy the radio. They're fighting. They realize they don't know where Danny is and they find him catatonic on the stairs sucking his thumb he's completely wet his neck is bruised and Wendy is like fucking you did this Jack right. did this which honestly I would think the same thing also and she's like you, you know what you break a kid's arm once and then suddenly everyone's like you hit your kids all the time no you get one <laughs> every parent knows that mm, you get I one don't know about no that. you get one mm. good hit I don't think so. Yeah, you do. Before they're 18, you can hit them real hard once. Well, I didn't get that. Uh, your mom's been saving it. <laughs> she's still got one up her sleeve. Oh, yeah. She's coming for you. Um, so Wendy is obviously very pissed at Jack. And she's that's the first time she thinks, like, if I do have to kill Jack to save Danny and me, I will do it. Right. But, you know, that would be very difficult. So they're kind of holed up. And Jack is going all crazy. He keeps thinking about the unmasking at midnight and wanders into the big dining room, right. ballroom area. I do like the, speaking of the unmasking stuff, one of my favorite little creepo moments that mm-hmm. just kind of regularly happens throughout the book is the elevator coming on and them hearing, you know, like party noises right. and things like that. I, I like a little bit of the... what. You know, it wasn't just all big, scary monsters in this or something. You know, King does all the little small stuff, too, that would mm-hmm. kind of weird you out in a big, empty hotel, right? Hearing weird noises or the elevator turning on mm-hmm. or, you know, different things like that. I appreciated the kind of the full spectrum. Setting that mood. Of, like, this whole place is creepy from, like, top to bottom. To the beam. <laughs> yes, yep. as the kids say, from T to B. From T to B. Uh, but yeah, I like that uh, a lot with, uh, you know, just it's little things here too, you know, and all the way up to the, the hedge animals. Hedge mice. Hedge animals running after mm-hmm. you. Uh, so while Jack is in the ballroom, he bellies up to the bar, of course, because that's what he really wants to be doing. As... And a bar that was always empty previously. Yes. And now suddenly is fully stocked and well attended fully stocked well but he can't see the people around him but he can hear them and he does see a bartender named lloyd who never actually speaks back to jack it's just jack kind of talking at him you know uh just how i am at the bar yeah of course don't talk to me bartender i'll do the talk i'll do all the talking I mean, honestly, by this point, I would sit in the Overlook Hotel bar just to have a bar experience again. I mean, frankly, uh, the Overlook bar would be the best pandemic bar to go to because there's no one actually there. Mm -hmm. But everything, you know, is happening in your head. They can't get you sick, but they can still kill you. Okay, there's a little bit of a roll of the dice (laughs) kind of thing there, but you know what? Worth it. Yeah. So, Jack, while he's talking to Lloyd, Danny is feeling the bad things like he knows his dad is is doing the bad thing no gross is it it's gross it's yeah no one wants to think about their dad masturbating no danny's feeling the urge to masturbate anyways danny is five he's way too i we need to not talk about that (laughs) 
<laughs> ever. Okay. Danny feels his dad slipping away and screams, quote, it sounds like a hundred Dannys in the dining room. And he runs to his dad, leaving Wendy, runs to his dad, and he starts screaming, it was her, it was her. And Danny tells Jack about the woman in room 217. He talks about talking to Dick and the shine and the way Danny feels. And uh, Jack is like, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's whatever, it's fine kind of deal. Uh the thing is, is that Jack has been lying and denying what? to himself that he knows Danny has a shine and that he himself has it a little bit, too. And Jack is now considering himself simpatico with the hotel because they're coming together mm. even more and more. So he goes to the room. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to go check out room 217. And while he's in there, he's not seeing anything. But he looks in the bathroom and he thinks he sees an outline of a woman behind the curtain. Which all the room to like, I literally have chills up and down my body right now thinking about it. That's just not that scary. But instead You're of crazy. pulling back the curtain, this is what's the scariest part to me. This is scarier than the Danny being in 217. Instead of pulling back the curtain, he goes to leave. He's freaking himself out. The door to the hall is shut. He's able to turn the handle and leave the room. But as he's doing that, he hears a body thump and scramble to the door as he closes it behind him. And when he looks back, the handle is turning after it's been locked. Like something is trying to get out. Most willies right now. You know, it's not real. It's a it's a story. It's still scary. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. So I don't know that that part. Ugh, I don't know how it doesn't scare you. It just scares the shit out of me thinking about it. But anyways, two seventeen. That's most of what happens in there. Yeah, nothing good. Um. Yeah, Wendy. Soon after that, remembers that there's a snowmobile. She's like. Hell yeah, we got the snowmobile. Like, yeah, because they are, um, I know, I guess we sort of glossed over it, but after they return from uh, Danny's wasp stings and after Jack makes his ill-advised calls to to Stu mm -hmm. to, to yell at him about the overlook, uh, the storms blow in and they are now fully snowed in yeah. with nowhere to go but into their own deep dark holes of despair yeah um and jack is still having moments of clarity like yeah. you mentioned so dan wendy is like we can take the fucking snowmobile down it'll suck but we can do it and jack is like you know what well yeah because jack was like i don't know how to drive a snowmobile yeah and she was like i don't really care yeah yeah which is exactly what i would say too also, a ghost how choked our boy yeah we should probably leave yeah and, yeah, I think Jack is more scared of himself at that moment than he is of the hotel. <laughs> Not that he's technically scared of the hotel, but he's going. he goes out to the shed where the snowmobile is. And I, if I remember correctly, he finds, like, the battery for it and everything. Yeah, and he has all the pieces. it's all going to go together. And then the hotel just clenches its fist around his tiny little shitty brain 
and he freaks out because he realizes that he is the weak link and that the hotel really does want Danny and that everything is fucking real and he throws the magneto ignition for the ski-doo into the snow Mm -hmm. and it's just like thanks a lot great that's gone now too um while jack is dealing with that danny is in the playground which is a scary fucking place thinking about the playground scene and another scary hedge animal scene the the topiary movement that's like when he's in the on. little play tunnel and he's being chased out Ooh, the and then when he tunnel. gets out and then they're chasing him and he gets swiped at it's just all like i hate these damn hedge animals yeah and their scariness and they're just mean <laughs> you know i just want to go outside play around no i'm gonna try to eat you or yeah. hurt you or whatever it th- they do they're just angry it's just another way to bushes. get to Angry bushes. Danny. And what sucks is that just when you think that maybe you're not going to have to deal with these stupid things anymore, they show up near the end of the book again, and mm-hmm. Halloran has got to try to, like, fight. Well, they're the, stupid... the outer defense of the hotel. No, I understand. But after the whole Danny part, I was like, okay, that's probably going to be it on the hedge animals. And guess what? Nope. They mm-hmm. get they get two more scenes, though in the very last one they don't do anything, and I, I appreciated that. Yeah. It was nice to see them kind of back down. And Halloran burns that one to fuck. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Burn it. Screw you, hedge animals. The playground scene was more scary for me. The idea of being trapped in like mm. a cinder, not cinder, um, one of those concrete And Danny's tubes. a little boy. Yeah. You know, Jack is a full grown man. So exactly. you do kind of think like, oh, you can get away. Yeah. But yeah, Danny... He has essentially runs twice from these things mm-hmm. in that one little part. And both times you're just like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. When Danny finally escapes the hole, he looks back and sees a hand waving. And that's just the fucking scariest. So after Danny f- somehow like he gets out of the topiary and the barely escapes, barely isn't he wearing his little shoes, his like racket shoes. Yeah. What it's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wearing the the snowshoes or whatever, but yeah, he because he's remember he's thinking very hard about how to run and yeah, because he's just a little fucking kid. Yeah, and he talks about how his legs are like hurting, and then Mm -hmm. but yeah, he gets swiped. Remember? Yeah, Um, and then ends up safe on the porch. Yeah, just barely by the little skin of his butt. Um, which is how I like to do everything (laughs) by the skin of your butt. Mm. Uh. So Jack finds Danny on the, why can't I think of the word? The porch, basically. On the skin of his butt. Danny, on the skin of his butt. Danny tells him about the topiary animals. And Jack is like, no, no, no. You were just seeing things. It's fine. And Danny shines at his dad and realizes that he knows his dad knows that he's been telling the truth. But his dad has just been lying about knowing it and when danny says that to his dad because he's a kid and he's like you believe me jack slaps him in the face and it's like uh uh-oh that's where you go over the line because you only get one before they're 18 like i said like you said he already broke the arm and then now he slapped him so now he's over the line right and it's bad behavior yeah and 
everything goes rapidly to shit after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Jack is very drunk and very angry. Mm -hmm. And uh, Danny is very worried. And Wendy, Wendy really, no, she tries her best, but she really she's not does. really equipped for this. Well, she's... As a frail, kind of mentally just fragile, again, just as many times you can use the word yeah. frail. That's kind of... Her mom fucked her up bad. I will say this about Wendy. Even though she spends pretty much the entire book worrying about everything, complaining about a lot of things, being too quick to freak out about things and jack just hates her so much and he the things he says about her i i never dislike that character I, I didn't find her annoying i didn't feel like no she's just a mom right right but i mean she's also still uh, so hesitant about stuff and worries way too much about things but i didn't really find that annoying i i, I will say i also didn't find it overly endearing because I did want her to just like chill out for a minute, give this a second to unfold, you know, whatever situation it may be before you assume the worst, you know, because people like that, it's like exhausting. Because that's how I am. No, you're not like that. All right. We'll talk about that in therapy. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm just saying like, I, I never was fully on her side, but I also didn't hate her, you know, like she has a, she has um, an almost chance of being very much like Skylar in Breaking Bad where everything you, she does mm -hmm. you're just like ah but King never really gets her there he he manages to keep her in this little bitty spot that's like right between endearing and annoying and um anyways I'm just saying it's it's a well-written character I agree um she's also a lot hotter in the book um we'll talk about the movie later but she was Did like you a hot blonde. Picture her as hot. Yeah, she's the way she's described. She's like a hot blonde. I guess I pictured her and Jack and Danny as just sort of normal, average Joe-looking people. No, she's she's pretty cute. <laughs> um, all right. So after all this, Danny kind of goes into another trance in the ballroom, and he like goes into the clock kind of deal, and um, that's pretty much the last time he sees Tony for a long time. And Tony is like, they are not letting me come to you anymore. You have to call for Dick Halloran and everything's about to really shit the bed. Uh, right. And it would have been a lot easier for him to just use a phone, but there aren't any that work. So he has to use ain't his got mind nothing. powers. He's got to use his mind powers this at this point also Danny finally sees red rum written out but it's in a mirror and he realizes that what red rum means is murder and that's right. what's waiting for and them. all of this time he's just been drinking red rum to no <laughs> like effect. A, a little swashbuckling <laughs> sailor mm -hmm. he was like okay we've got to be more piratey and it just doesn't go anywhere yeah so after this trance in the clock thing uh Danny's like, all right, Dick, we need you now. Oh, my God. And Dick is like, holy shit. He's yeah. in Florida. He was having a great goddamn time Halloran down there. Howard did seem like he was really living it up down in Florida, really enjoying the season yes. off away from the the overlook. He's definitely know. more of a tropical mm -hmm. 
person like he wants the heat he likes that type yeah. of atmosphere and yet you know he's working at the overlook during but that season halloran's a good dude so he he packs up and yes. he goes to to danny's defense it takes him a while to get there unfortunately it does he has to call a lot of airline stuff i feel like like getting a car there's a part where dick is like walking and he realizes that he had his will in his pocket and it falls out of his pocket and he thinks that it's weird but he's been subconsciously kind of planning for his own death all week Mm. so he's been Picking up little things and his not journey, even realizing it. His journey back to the Overlook has one of my favorite parts in the whole book, which is when he is almost there and he spins out mm-hmm. and almost crashes like badly um, or crashes bad. He has a, almost a bad crash. Anyways. Uh, badly. Yeah. Um, but when that part happens and he meets the, you know, the like the tow truck driver or just mm-hmm. the guy who he drives the truck or whatever and he, the guy's really nice yeah. and he has a little bit of shine and he gives him his mittens and yeah. stuff and well. that's one of my favorite parts because by that point like you said things accelerate so fast at the overlook that they've really gone to shit there so they mm-hmm. have this little aside where Halloran is trying to get back he's yep. almost there he almost crashes his car he's gonna be stuck he's not gonna make it and then he just has this little sweet moment yeah with this guy and then the guy directs him to his buddy in town and is like this guy will give you a snowmobile yeah. and he goes to that guy and that guy is also really nice and yeah. he's like here's my jacket right. you're gonna need it like bring be careful. it back yeah. yeah uh i agree that's a those parts are really nice cause yeah also halloran gets into real shit when he gets to the mountain sure. you know so uh yeah i really like those little asides in there of just they're like you could breathe a little bit mm-hmm. in those moments because you know yeah everything at the hotel is bad i also really love the the timelines there right how they're because, going together yeah, at this point you know, so every time he goes back to halloran it's backwards a little bit mm-hmm. and you know simultaneous is something else that was going on you know so you get these little like, oh, okay, Jack just grabbed a mallet. Oh, yeah. when, okay, so we know where that is. We know, you know, Halloran is so close, but the the, the really bad things are already underway. Mm-hmm. So the fact that King is able to put in these little sweet moments to in all of that. give you a little breathing time. It's so bonkers, but it was so nice because right. you really need it because what is happening at Overlook is like awful. Yeah. It's also kind of like, yes, there's all this bad it's like the balance too. like there is still good in the world somehow everything is going wrong for dick but then there's another thing out here who's gonna that's gonna help him get back on the right track yeah so i do really appreciate that because it gives you hope yeah um and then poor halloran too i mean let's just go ahead and say he, he goes up the mountainside Mm-hmm. He has to fight one of the hedge animals, yep. but he's able to set the thing on fire, even though it almost kills him. Yeah. Then he hauls ass, gets to the hotel, runs inside, Jack knocks him out. Yeah. So he comes all that way. I mean, he does obviously get Danny and, and, and Wendy out at the end, mm. but um, yeah, it's like running all of that way to realize you forgot like your keys or something. Sure. You know? <laughs> he gets all the way there and it's immediately runs into the hotel and Jack knocks him out with the, the croquet mallet. Roque. 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 Is it Roque? Roque? I think it's pronounced Roque. Um, it's with a the precursor mallet. to croquet. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> the 
the mallet. So Dick is on his way. Danny finally confesses to Wendy that Tony's not coming to him anymore. All the ghosts in the hotel want him and his dad. The hotel is tricking his dad. He knows, he tells Wendy the snowmobile is fucked and that the dad did see the woman in 217 and the ghosts are full on coming for them through Jack By now. By the way, how weird was it for you? This part was very strange for me when, you know, Jack flips out and he's down in the bar and he's drinking and he's hooting and a hollering and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of stuff and stumbling around and... Wendy and Danny just hide in a hotel room in their normal yeah. hotel room. And but then there's a part where she's like, Are you hungry? I'm gonna go down and make you something to eat. Right. Like those parts are so weird to me where I guess I get the idea of like we need to hide away and just put some distance between us, but there's a hundred and ten rooms in the place. Why don't you just pick one that he doesn't know you're in? True. And go r- really hide and bring as many provisions as you can. It's just I don't know. I, I think that part was weird to me because I was like, I would not just go back to our normal room. As a mom, I wouldn't want to. But for Danny, I think, I mean, their bedroom is really the only place that Danny is safe, usually. Hmm. Other than Jack bringing in the wasp's nest and the stuff like that. But yeah. like the ghosts are not in that one room specifically. Yeah. Uh, also, if Wendy was a bit more ruthless, she would have killed Jack when he was all zonked out of his mind right. and that would have been that well i also think wendy going down to anyways i'm just trying to blame this all i on know wendy. you are it's great way to go wendy women again messing everything <laughs> up for men uh it goes wendy while wendy is down then there danny making... then a lot of space okay then jack uh-huh and as far as the who who is in the wrong here hierarchy okay <laughs> while wendy is down there though she does get a knife for protection which is a good reason to right. make her go down there and make them food. Um, Danny, she's so good at wielding knives. Mm, that, I don't know about that. But uh, Jack is still going off the deep end. Danny is trying to listen in to what his dad is thinking from a distance. And he gets back, get out of his mind, you little shit, in a voice that was like his dad, but he knew it wasn't him. And Danny's like, oh, man, I have to go find my dad. He's in a bad place mentally. (laughs) And uh, that's when Danny sees the man on all fours that's dressed like a dog in the hallway. And he won't let him pass. It's so creepy. Yeah, that was that was scary. Yeah. I hated that. It's giving me chills again. Um, Soon after that, Danny finally realizes that it's definitely going to be Jack who's going to kill him and his mom. The Overlook is fully coming to life. Jack and Lloyd are, uh, well, I guess Lloyd and the ghosts and everything are fully manifesting now. It's not just sounds and voices. Partying in the hallways. Yeah, they're partying in the hallways. They're partying in the ballroom, the fucking elevator. Jack realizes that Grady is now a bartender also. And he's like, aren't you the old caretaker? And Grady is like, no, sir, it's always been you. And he was like, what about your family? And he's like, I didn't kill my family. They're all working at the hotel now. And your son, (laughs) your son can help you do that. 
and Jack is like, okay, um, number one, I need to teach Danny a lesson because he hasn't told me all this information yet and he's keeping it from me. Time to take your medicine, kid. Yeah. And then Grady is like, yeah, I had to fix my daughter's and my wife's opinion of not liking the hotel and it worked out great for me. And Narrator, he it didn't. also tells Jack that Danny was trying to bring in an outside party to help fight against the hotel. Uh, so the hotel knows that Danny has reached out mentally to Dick to get some much, much needed backup. Right. And then we just get into all the chaos, right? Yeah. I mean, Wendy... They, the hotel tells Jack they need him to sacrifice his right. son. And that's when Wendy and Jack have their first fight physical like major fight um jack and wendy start fighting in the ballroom jack is strangling wendy and danny comes up and jumps on his back and now wendy and danny are fighting him and wendy hits him in the back of the head with a bottle and knocks him out so danny and wendy are able to escape temporarily and that's when they go and lock Jack in the pantry of the kitchen. Um, while he's in there, uh, there's more Danny realizing that he is the shine that's kind of powering the hotel. That's giving it this ability to be way more physical than it ever has before. Um, and that's why the hotel wants him because if they take him over, it can just do whatever it wants. You know, while Jack is locked in the pantry, Grady appears outside of it. And he's like, Jack, I can only let you out of here. If you promise to kill Wendy and give Danny to us. And he's like, I don't know. And then he's like, this is the only way out. And Jack is like, okay, I'll kill my family. And Grady unlocks the, Yep. Lock on the pantry and lets Jack back loose in the hotel. Thanks a lot, Grady. So he's out. Jack and Wendy are fighting on the stairs now. That's the real rough one. Yeah, because he beats the shit out of her with a mallet. Like, yep. You kind of expect it to be sort of like any horror movie where the person trying to get away maybe gets hit once, but otherwise it's all these like close calls. Mm -hmm. Nope. Jack seemingly never misses. No, he just obliterates poor Wendy. Um, she's a tough girl though. So she survives and does what she needs to do. Is but able to stab him. Jack obliterates her with the mallet. Like it just, he's hitting her like in the chest and the stomach, like mm -hmm. just all, everywhere. He just literally yeah. obliterates poor this poor Wendy. woman with the mallet. Yeah. So while they're fighting, like you said before, that's when Dick finally gets there and he gets attacked by the hedge lions. Um, but he's able to get away. Yeah, he gets in. He gets knocked out. Jack is chasing Wendy through the hotel despite being stabbed in the back. Um, and that's when Wendy goes and is able to lock herself in one. I think it's the bathroom of their bedroom and he's coming at her 
breaking through the door with the mallet, mm. that classic scene. Dick sets the lines on fire. He gets in. Jack knocks him out with the mallet. Danny at this time is now back in a trance. He's in the hotel, but it's it reminded me of like the upside down in Stranger Things. Like everything is different now. Because the halls are full of ghosts. Yeah, fucking terrifying. You would think he would also know the hotel better because he gets himself cornered. Yeah. It's like, hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. You should know this place. Yeah. But he doesn't. Or he gets probably just scared. Well, but he gets himself cornered and then old Jackie boy comes to form and he's all like monstery. He is all monstery. Tony at this point was able to come back and kind of snap him back to reality almost. And he realizes that his dad is wearing a false face. Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. when he's able to kind of get away from his run through, escape his dad enough, but not all the way. Um, Right before Jack is about to kill his son, Danny starts kind of screaming at him. You're not my daddy. You don't scare me. False False face. face, False face. You're the hotel. And while that's happening, the real Jack kind of shines through for a few moments. And Jack is like, Danny, you need to run. I love you. And then the hotel retakes over and mates Jack beat himself in his own fucking face until disfigures him yeah jack torrance as we know it is basically entirely gone which is so creepy and scary on its own um so what's been happening this whole fucking time is that beautiful piece of shit boiler down in the basement of the overlook that constantly has to be monitored because otherwise it hasn't been monitored that's it It'll blow up the hotel. Hint. And Dick and Wendy get Danny and they're able to run out of the overlook as the boiler is going. (laughs) I love that the monster runs down the to the basement going, No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And they just (laughs) they let it fucking blow. Uh, And it's thanks to Jack, really, that was his last last yep. effort thanks buddy was just to do nothing and mm-hmm. let the the fucking boiler blow don't try so hard yeah <laughs> that's the moral of the story <laughs> uh so yeah that's how it ends the overlook blows up bye dick halloran while he's outside he looks at the hotel and is watching it happen and he says he f- sees a figure that dissipates like a swarm of wasps And even after the hotel is blown up, it tries just one last time to like grasp at them. And Dick feels himself being pulled back by the hotel almost. And then he's like, snap out of it, you dickhead. (laughs) Get it? And then they finally escape. And that's that's what happens. Yeah. In The Shining, the book. Yeah. And we both loved it. I did. That it's was very good. my second time reading through. And I feel like the first time I read it, I sympathized a lot more 
with Jack. And this time around, I didn't. And maybe it's because I'm in my 30s now. And when I first read it, I was in my early 20s. I don't know. Hmm. Mm. I kind of, I sympathize with all the characters. Right. Um, I think they're just well-written and King does a really good job. Again, like I was saying with Wendy, she's kind of annoying, but also you get it. And mm-hmm. Jack, yeah, he's kind of annoying. He's so complainy all the time. And, and it's different different than Wendy, obviously, because his is like rage-fueled. But also, you get where he's coming from, right? It's like everything that he put together is falling apart or has already fallen apart. So he's just holding on now, and he can't catch a break. So he's just pissed. Yeah. And then poor Danny, he's trying to keep everyone together. Yeah. You know, while also sort of, you know, struggling with these, like, special gifts he has Mm -hmm. and trying to understand them. So, yeah, like every character, it's like a really nice balance of, you know, uh, I guess they're kind of relatable and realistic in that way. Like even Halloran or any of these characters, you know, even the manager guy, Stu, you know, mm-hmm. he, even though he's a prick about the place, he does really actually care about yeah. the Overlook. He wants it to be this big thing and, you know, and it's like his little baby, but he's a prick about it, you know? So right. it's like, these feel like real people in a very obviously like supernatural situation so their reactions to things come off as like genuine Mm -hmm. well speaking of Olman, since you said he wasn't your favorite not your least favorite yeah my least favorite character is al al shockley Shockley. yeah because al is the quintessential quote-unquote friend you think you have who really just takes advantage of you and al all of Jack's drinking, which is obviously Jack's doing. But mm. yeah, like you said, Al is always there to encourage it until Al doesn't want to do it anymore. And then somehow it's now Jack's problem and really just Jack's problem. And then he gives him really what is ostensibly a, a you know, shit job. One that ended horribly mm. with the person before. And he knows this. And so he, he puts him in there because he needs someone to do it. And he calls it a favor. But it's not really a favor. I just need somebody to take what is really the least desirable job that, like, right. I, I am aware of. And you know what? I'm going to give it to this guy who I call my friend, but I'm, I'm not really. And then when Jack wants to write the book, who's there to be like, well, that doesn't benefit me. Right. No. Like Al isn't is the worst person in this book. He's just a an asshole, and he's 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 mean hearted, and he doesn't take care of anybody. He it looks like he does, but he doesn't really. And I feel like the Jackie Boy nickname and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just dismissive. It's it's like you're my old drinking buddy, and I don't right. have any interest in you really. So I'm gonna send you to a mountain, do a shit job. I'm gonna call it a favor. You owe me. Mm. Oh, also you found something there that might actually give you a leg up you want to write about this maybe it turns into something great for you well no it doesn't benefit me right it's like al is the worst all right i agree with you so fuck you al (laughs) i agree with you though that is my least favorite character uh what's your least favorite character is it also al now that i've made my case i think now it's al it was allman because how could you like that but it's easy to hate He's the, the obvious choice there. Um, what about your favorite character? Uh, my favorite is Dick. 
I love mm-hmm. Dick Halloran so what a, much. What a line. Yeah, Halloran is also kind of the easy choice One there. He's very, yeah. you know, he's obviously the, the, the kind of the good-hearted foil to the to the mm-hmm. rest of the, the story. Um, but yeah, Halloran is definitely uh, my favorite. But I also, I would give a little bit to the tow truck guy or whatever that pulls mm-hmm. Halloran out of the snow. Right. I really like, or I would almost put him and the snowmobile guy as like almost the same. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed their little moments together. Um, scariest part? You know, mine are the, the anything with the hedge animals because... They just kind of freak me out. I think mine is Jack in the in room two seventeen. Room two seventeen, part and, two, and the him not getting directly attacked, but like I don't know. One of the scariest things to me, even imagining it, is when in movies or in books where they hear something loud but you don't see it, mm. and especially when it's something loud that's running towards you, right? Like. And you can't see what it is. It's fucking terrifying. Like I, there are a few things that scare me more than the idea of that. So, I think that was my serious part. Fair enough. Fair, fairy enough. Fairy enough. Fairy enough. I say it my own way. I like it. Uh, I will say too that I guess it's not so much scary, but yeah, just Wendy getting obliterated by that mallet was is like really kind of shocking and jarring to me even regardless of what else had happened in the book but jack's just relentless attack of her mm-hmm. was really unsettling to me because he like again he, every swing he does not miss he connects and he's just literally about to smash this woman to pieces uh and then yeah when he traps danny you know that it's gonna end so poorly but mm. he has that little bit of that little moment mm-hmm. of sunshine, right, and allows Danny to get out of there before, yeah, horribly, and only Danny can bring himself. it out of him because mm-hmm. Wendy is no. Uh, that I think, yeah, the gnarliest part was for me is when Jack beats his own face in. It kind of makes me think about in Hereditary when Tony Collette is just beating her head into the ceiling, right. kind of deal. Mm. It's. Uh, it's yeah. also fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The Shining delivers across the board, but the the last kind of act, I guess, or a few chapters are all you just kind of like, oh, heavy, oh, heavier, mm, heaviest. Uh. Oh but, no, yeah. there's more. I do love that it ends almost comical though when the monster realizes the boiler is going to go mm-hmm. and it's just going, "No!" That's yeah. how I imagined it. "No!" Not me. Mhm. Um, but it runs down the stairs going, "No, mm-hmm. no, no." And yeah. I'm just like, so goofy here at the very end but uh yeah those are those are my main questions for you what do you got um would you read it again and would you recommend it to others yeah i would definitely read it again uh easy that's an easy one and then highly recommend it to others because it's just really good i mean it definitely feels like king finds his real voice in this one Mm -hmm. you know like carrie is almost feels like an experiment to write a Look mm-hmm. from like a female perspective, and then Salem's Lot feels kind of overly edited, like he was writing it for someone else or something. I don't know. And then The Shining feels like we're in his head, and mm-hmm. his head is a scary place to be. It really is. Um, so do you think the book holds up today? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Do um, you think 
the wife beating so severely would have been if it was being published today would that have made it all the way through yeah because it's a horror story i mean it's not like he beats her at the start of the book or anything like that he's a possessed monster so it's not really right you know it's not him just being like you burnt the mac and cheese and Mm. then hitting her or something Mm -hmm. right so he's a monster at that point a possessed being so i don't think it's really straight up a normal set of domestic abuse okay my last also she deserved it (laughs) is uh what do you think would be the theme song of this book of the book yeah i don't know do you have one you're looking at me like you already have one i don't i think it would just be i don't know if a song would do it like it's just noises like there's nothing happy yeah just like wind blowing through a hallway yeah exactly that's (laughs) what it is just Mm. the sound of like a mountain like that like high-pitched kind of yeah sound Mm, fair enough i could see that that's it it's it's not a book that has a lot of music in it to me (laughs) no unfortunately just a lot of voices and weird Mm -hmm. noises except for dick halloran in florida lots of like fun that's true you can hear like some like bluesy soul like southern rock just mm, 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 living it up yeah what a book Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it um I know we're going to watch the movie and the miniseries. I definitely think it could be another miniseries again. Mm-hmm. I think it would make a really great, like, one season, like, you know, really drawn out. Done right on Character drama HBO. with a lot of flashbacks and yeah. his drinking days and all of those sorts of things. I think it. I think that that would work really well. What was that? My, my watch said that. Weird. Anyways, so, um, yeah, I definitely think it could be a new miniseries. It would be really good, like, especially on something like HBO or whatever that doesn't mm-hmm. mind a good, nice, like, hard R rating. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what a book. I would highly recommend it. If you haven't read it yet, you really should, though we just kind of spoiled the whole thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The Shining was great. Big time winner. There was one part that I missed speaking of spoiling. Uh, in the end, you find out that Tony is actually Danny from the future. That's Coming right. back and to And his middle name him. is Anthony. And his middle name is Anthony. And that's why his name is Tony to mm-hmm. Danny. So there's that. That's right. The final spoiler <laughs> for the book. What a book. Even yeah. just thinking about it now, I kind of just want to like pop it open and read some chapters or something i know that we are starting on rage next mm-hmm. um rage. however i do feel like and i don't know if i can slow you down this way but nope you should read dr sleep after the shiny yeah i probably is, should maybe i just will do it it's pretty i i really enjoyed it i know a lot of people you know i don't know people are I like, like the classic movie. yeah the movie's but good. Speaking the of movie good. stuff, you I know, love Room that. 237 coming up yes. next. Um, that'll be The Shining movie, Kubrick's movie, plus the miniseries that King wrote because he hated Kubrick's movie. Um, and honestly, just right now, thinking back on Kubrick's movie, I can see why, because holy cow, the book is like a million so times different. better. But that's coming up. So watch those, and then we'll talk about them. Yeah.
I'm John. I'm Whitney. And this is Room 217. And we'll see you in half an episode. Boom. Thank you.